As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Gladwell. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, now part of the Athletic Baseball Show where you will find great baseball talk all week long and all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the Athletic and I am joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Uh, so, Doug, I know you were excited to be in Houston on Sunday night for what I believe was your first pitch clock violation that resulted in a strikeout not looking. You're all worked up about that. How did you decide excited. to enter that in your scorebook? Well, you know, I, I I decided to, you know, we talked a little bit in spring training. I had it in spring, so I, and I, you know, I, I actually can write it right here. All right, if you can see. Uh, I, I just yeah, did the big sure. circle. I did the big circle, right? So I know there's a lot of glare here. So wait, where's the camera? <laughs> oh, we, oh, there it is. Yeah, oh, we got it. And then I just put a big K in the middle. And then I put a little markers to to be like the three, six, and nine o'clock. So that's what I got. It's a K and a clock. <laughs> hey, that's, that's pretty that's good. It. I like it. We, we should yeah. We should think about whether that's where we want to go with this in the future. Need our uh, we've talked about this before, but our friend Scott Fransky, the uh, great Phillies radio voice, uh, I've, I've published uh, his symbol a couple of times. He's going with the, uh, it's basically the upside down backwards K. Does that make sense? Yeah. Indicates yeah, strikeout, strikeout <laughs> sleeping or whatever it is. So I, I don't know how to do it. It's it's all a work in progress. But Doug, let, you know what? Let's move along because our special guest this week had himself a plate appearance that was so much more meaningful than any strikeout not looking. 
Uh, Doug, we've had so many amazing guests on this show, uh, but I'm as excited to talk to this week's special guest as I've ever been for any of them because he's become that guy that America roots for. It's Drew Maggi, the uh, the guy who just made us all cheer and weep last week by getting his first major league hit at age 33 for the Pirates. So, Drew, it's Jason Stark and Doug Glanville. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. You know, thank you for having me on the show. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just been a crazy week for me, you know, doing all these shows. I mean, I don't even know how to interview. I mean, the... The longest interview I had has been, a, you know, some kind of small reporter in the city that I don't even know where I'm at. And he's got a pen and paper. So, and it's about two minutes and it's usually a nice hit tonight. How did you do it? And you're like, I just hit the ball and that's it. Yeah, now you're a mini series under yourself, right? It's, it's like, this is all crazy. It is. It's great. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but, but look, like like everyone, uh, Doug and I have been so caught up in your story, man. Uh, let me just sum it up in case there's anyone out there who doesn't know it by now. Drew Maggi, drafted in 2010, played 1,155 games in the minor leagues for 13 different teams, uh, finally made your big league debut 13 years later, just the other day. Uh, then got your first two big league hits over the weekend. So that's the short version. Let, let's start with this, Drew. W- what's the last week or so of your life been like? Can you possibly even describe it? Uh, I mean, I'll try. It's, I mean, it's been, um, it's just every emotion you can possibly think of, you know, happiness, joy, um, you know, just getting a lot of support from, I mean, a lot of Pirates fans, a lot of, you know, people in baseball, people all over the world just messaging me and just just with inspiring stuff that I've been able to give people. And I'm just, I mean, more just blown away. I mean, I think I've cried every day. And I'm not, people that know me, I'm not a crier. So it's, it's you know, but it's like a good cry where you kind of get chills and you're just like what is going on you know you just kind of look around and it I mean the last week has felt like 13 years of my life honestly it's felt you know every day is just so long and it's just like is this really happening and it's I mean it's just honestly been a dream come true for me I you know you play for so long and you just you don't think it's gonna happen and it's just uh, amazing how how this week is, has gone on and just how, you know, if you keep going, you, you just keep believing and, you know, little things and, you know, crazy big things can happen. So I'm just, I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful as well. Well, you know, you just touched on it. Uh, there really is nothing cooler in life than to finally do that thing that you dreamed all your life of doing and worked all your life to make possible. And, you know, the crying part, is there a level of emotion that goes with that? That's different in some way than anything you've ever experienced. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just like the, 
the feeling that I, I finally did it, you know, I, cause I've been saying it for so long, just, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there, whether I believed it or not. And there was just so many dark times, so many tough conversations and just along my journey of, you know, I played with a bunch of different teams. I went into a bunch of different organizations that, you know, a lot of times it was uncomfortable, you know, you went to the yard and, you know, as you get older too, you're looked at as kind of this, you know, what are you still doing here, man? Like, aren't you coaching now? So you just deal with a lot of hardship throughout it all. And, you know, to just kind of like, like think about what's happening and what's going on. And, you know, I'm putting on a big league uniform, you know, something that I dreamed about when I was, you know, a little kid, man, I just, it, it just chokes me up. I, I mean, I walked down the street, I walked to get a coffee yesterday and just was in tears, man. I'm just like, you know, I've raised my hands up. I just like, wow. You know, I'm just, I, yeah, it's just, it's definitely a different good cry. Yeah. I'll I'll let Doug jump here in a second. Just one more thing. I know I'm not the first person to make this observation, but this felt, in many ways, just like a movie. It almost felt more like a movie than it felt like real life. Was there almost a, you know, almost a cinematic out of body type element to it for you too, even as you were living it? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a bunch of conversations with like my mom and my brothers and my friends and they're all like, dude, this is movie stuff. What you're doing. This is, and I'm, kind of going through it and trying to kind of, you know, juggle everything that's kind of like being brought on me. Like, I mean, even when I got the two hits, like that wasn't supposed to happen. Or <laughs> I got optioned on Friday and I was supposed to, to go, you know, they were like your flights tomorrow morning, you know, thanks, you know, great week. You know, that was awesome back in Pittsburgh. And so the dream was kind of over there and I, you know, I, it ended up, I was actually walking to the hair salon. I was like, I'm going to go get a haircut. I need to decompress. <laughs> so I'm walking and it's a mile. So I probably should have Uber, but I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to enjoy the walk, you know? So I walked and it started to rain and I'm like, I look up and I'm like, what? Come on. And it started to really rain. And I got to the hair salon and they're all looking at me like, who is this? Who is this guy? What do you <laughs> I'm like, can I get a haircut? And they're like, do you want a towel? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll take a towel. So they're, they're like, I'm cleaning myself up. I, I get a haircut, and I after the haircut, I have nine missed calls from Sheltie, and I answer, and he's like, what are you doing? Where are you? I'm like, uh, I sorry, I was getting a haircut. He's like, all right, I got news. You know, if we get rained out tonight. You're not going to go back. You're going to stay and be the 27th man for the double header. And I walked back and it was raining and raining. I was like, come on, rain, come on, come on. <laughs> we ended up getting rained out. And so yesterday, so it was just like another movie type experience that I can't even explain. Like it's just because we, I believe we were the only game that got rained out. So so, I mean, someone's looking after me. I mean, there's just <laughs> someone on my shoulder that's because, I mean, it's just easy that that never would have happened and I never would have gotten that hit. And, you know, the, you'd never know what if you're ever going to get back. I mean, I know that, you know, so it's 
it's been definitely movie like wow yeah well drew i mean it's it definitely gives us chills and um and i think one question i have is you know your childhood as a baseball fan i know for me once i came into the minor leagues i started to notice all these former players that I loved as a kid or knew as a kid that were my coaches, they were just kind of around part of the system in the minor leagues to kind of help you advance. And I think they helped me identify that, wait a minute, I can, I could make it because my coaches, you know, Greg Gross or Larry Boa or people that I had watched. Uh, I'm curious to connect the dots for us about some of the checkpoints and, and coaches along the way that sort of gave you that sense of, Okay, I can you know make this. I can make it. I I I just need this, and I have the right advisor. And what was that like to connect that childhood of coaches and people you were fans of, who now became part of your life in baseball? I mean, Boa, what a beauty, by the way. <laughs> but I mean, I think it it started, you know, when I was young with my dad coaching me. You know, just always instilling, you know, hard work and. You know, when things weren't easy, he wasn't easy on me. So, you know, just not being sheltered as a child and just, you know, always being able to, you know, when bad things happen, you got to you got to figure it out. Like You got to pick yourself up and you got to, you know, find a way. So I think in my younger years with that and, you know, just coming from a big family, big Italian family, five brothers, you know, just always kind of competing with them. And, like, I'm very close with them. My brother played um, with the Royals in the minor leagues for four years. So, you know, just people that understood baseball and, you know, people that were in the grind too. And then when, you know, I got to pro ball, um, you know, like guys like Brock Holt, you know, he was with the Pirates when I was first there. And he was kind of the first – pro ball guy for me that I kind of looked up to, you know, we played the same positions. He, um, you know, he was just a good player and he was scrappy and he was, you know, kind of a smaller guy that just, you know, just got it done. Like you couldn't really explain it. He wasn't this superstar, but you know, he would every day you'd go out there and grind. And so early on, like, that's kind of like how I tried to play and I learned from him and, and then, you know, as I went, I went to the Dodgers and, um, you know, there was guys like Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger was there, Verdugo. I mean, just a lot of good baseball players that, you know, at the time they were just, you know, we were grinding in double A, but I mean, they did things right. I mean, clearly they're all, you know, really good big leaguers. And I just always learned from good players and, you know, and then also I, I think something that was very important to me was, you know, I was with the Indians and Mike Napoli was there. He came into camp and he, um, he kind of took me under his wing and he actually ended up tearing his ACL that year. But he, um, when I, when I went out there, I, you know, I didn't have a place to live. We went to Columbus and triple a triple a for the, the guardians. And he, um, I got there and he was like, come over and we got some food. And he, he goes, where are you living? And I said, I really haven't figured it out yet. And he goes, I got an extra room. You're staying with me. So I ended up staying with him in like this really, I mean, super nice flat, like some, the nicest place I've ever stayed in. Pro <laughs> ball. And, you know, just learning from him. I mean, we would talk baseball every night and, 
also what was really important is, you know, when he would go to the field, he was just such a good team guy. You know, he, he loved everybody. He, you know, was always teaching somebody how to play the game. You know, there's, but the way he did it, you know, like guys loved him and they respected him. And I just always, you know, watched that and was like, that's no matter how hard anything gets for me, I'm always going to try to be that guy as a teammate and a person. And so I think, you know, that was really important for me. And then, you know, just, I mean, there's so many guys that, I mean, even the grinder type guys that never got an opportunity to play in the big leagues, but were really good players, like could have definitely played a few years, if not more. And, you know, just seeing guys like that, that kind of get taken out of the game, you know, it just always kind of pushed me a little extra as well. And, you know, there was always a reason, you know, I'm every year I get messages from guys like, I can't believe you're still playing, man, keep going. <laughs> and, you know, that as hard as it was for me, because there was always that thought of retiring and, you know, this, to probably pick the wrong career. This isn't for me. You know, what am I thinking? But there was always people in my life that, that just inspired me. So I know a lot of people are saying I'm inspiring them, but if it wasn't for a lot of people, I mean, none of this would have been possible. So. Just, and what was the, yeah. what was the closest you, you came to just being like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's it. Was there any moment that you kind of were, were really well, close? I mean, this year, I mean, I was, uh, I was in a restaurant with my mom and we were watching the world series and we were just talking and, you know, I had a really tough year last year in, in the minor leagues that I, I hurt my wrist and just, I mean, I was, I'm an older guy, so I had to play through it. I couldn't really, you know, you know how it is. You, you go on the DL as an older guy and you just get buried. So, you know, I tried to play through it and I didn't have a great year. But I, what was really important for me was I was a good teammate and I was still really respected in the clubhouse. And I mean, that was a big reason why the Pirates saw me back. But I was in a restaurant with my mom and we're talking and I'm just like, it was just really frustrating. You know, I was I was like, Mom, I, I don't know if I could do this anymore. You know, this is uh, it's taking a toll on me, like a really like a negative toll almost to where I'm kind of, you know, I'm 33 years old. I'm, you know, I want a family. I want, you know, to do something great, you know, like I want to help people. I want to, you know, feel like my purpose for something is, is worth it. Like I, I want to be happy and, you know, not that I baseball still, cause I love baseball. I've always, it's always been my number one, even growing up. So there was still that love, but just talking to my mom and it was, my mom was she was like well do you still love it and I was like well of course mom you know I love it you know I wouldn't have done it this long if I didn't love it and she was just like well I think as long as you know you want to keep fighting you know and I was and we just had a good conversation she was just like and it ended with you know until they tear it off um Mm. I'm gonna keep trying so that was probably the closest, but I mean, there's been a lot of other ones where, you know, I've been in kind of a dark place with money and just teams not calling me. And I just, uh, yeah, just like, what, what do I, what should I do? You know? And so, 
yeah, I didn't, just thankfully that I kept pushing, pushing through it and kept going and tried to stay as strong as I could. And here we are. Here we are. You, you know, Drew, uh, like I keep trying to wrap my head around 13 years in the minor leagues. I mean, you were drafted the same draft as Bryce Harper. Now he was the first pick. You went in the 15th round, right? He's closing in on 6,000 big league plate appearances. And you just got your first. So how long did those 13 years seem at the time? And and now that this has happened, how long do they seem now? I mean, it, it felt like a long time. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Count of Monte Cristo, but my brother actually texted me a couple of days and he goes, he goes, 13 years in the Chateau Deef. <laughs> so we were laughing. That was a good one. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's felt like an eternity, man. I mean, but what's so great about it too is, you know, I've met so many people and so many great like relationships throughout my time in baseball that, you know, you have those dark moments where you're like, this is all for nothing. But at the end of the day too, you you know, I just, I, I have so many great stories and I mean, with teammates, old teammates, people, I mean, so it's when I look back and what's been so great about this week is I'm getting a lot of, you know, texts and calls from people that, you know, I played with back in 2012 and 2010 and it kind of flashes me back to that moment and I, you know, I, I have a pretty good memory. But and I could picture myself like in that city with him, with that person. And so when I it has actually felt longer these past couple of weeks or this last <laughs> week, because now I'm actually being taken back to to moments in my career. And, you know, it's crazy to think about how long it's been because it's been a long, long time. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, no one gets to play 13 years in the minor leagues if you can't play and if you can't make the players around you better. I mean, you've had, you've had really good seasons in the minor leagues, but you know, most people who've had your minor league career don't even get to spend 13 seasons doing this. Why do you think that you have? A lot of good people, you know, I, uh, I mean, I think a lot of it too was, you know, me being persistent, but most of it, you know, I, I would do everything to play the next year. I would, I would be networking my butt off, you know, calling people like, Hey, is there an opportunity? Um, you know, old players that, you know, were coaching orgs, just always reaching out to them and, you know, some, somehow or some way, someone would would bring me in and and yeah it was kind of it's kind of crazy too because you know every year I was kind of this guy they're just kind of bringing on and they didn't really have a spot for me and I'd go into the season I wouldn't play very much to start and you know things would kind of happen and and shake out and shake and you know guys would get hurt guys would go up um and you know they kind of shove me in there and then you know somehow I, I just play well i mean that's 
And, you know, I started to get confidence and I would play well and have some good years. And then, you know, like just stuff that I've learned from other players and like Mike Napoli, I was just always a good teammate and always tried to be a, a leader, veteran presence that was trying to just give off what I've learned in the game. So I think that honestly, full circle of just kind of, you know, I was always had that grinder label of this guy's he just gets after it every year and he plays his butt off and you know also he you know he tries to to help people and genuinely and so it uh you know and then also just a lot of luck too i mean there's always a little bit of that involved just being able to stay healthy and you know shout out to the trainers because you know they a lot of them had to do some work on me so <laughs> i mean yeah, so just, yeah, it's just crazy how everything kind of had to connect for all this to be possible because, you know, so many things could have gone wrong or, you know, I don't get an opportunity, even a small one with the Pirates this year that, you know, I basically had to kind of BS my way through in the big league camp. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> that's a great yeah i mean the um well it made me think of like uh you know going into camp and uh i know one year for me that stood out was deconstructing my swing and having to build it back again and i'm thinking more of like a physical adjustments you had to make so triple a one year i faced greg olson who was the a big time closer for the orioles at one point oh, yeah. and he was coming kind of doing his comeback yeah, you better come across him. His curveball was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, to the point it just it made no sense. And the first time I saw it, I realized that I could have never hit that in a, like I couldn't hit it. So I went her going to our hitting coach was Glenn Adams. He played a lot of years with the Twins. And he says, you know, I've been waiting for this moment because your stance is such that you're not in a good position to hit the breaking ball. So if you trust me on this, I'm going to kind of take apart your swing and give you a basic major league stance. And we'll go from there. And I had to do this for a couple of weeks. It was really weird. So I wanted to know the, the baseball side of the game, any major adjustments and overhauls you had to do that you felt were necessary to keep your career going and put you in a position to be a big leaguer. Uh, that's a great question, man. I, cause there's been so many adjustments that I've had to go through. Cause I, you know, I came in when I came in in 2010, it was, you know, the game's changed so much as I've kind of gone through it. Like when I was first starting, it was base stealing and OBP and just work like walks were important and not striking out and just battling with two strikes. You know, we we used to in BP do the, okay, we're going to do a hit and run round. We're going to do a guy on third, get him in. And so I was, I kind of came in and I was just kind of this, stiff hitter that you know kind of bat to ball guy doesn't strike out and didn't use my legs at all my hands were very stagnant I didn't really accelerate the barrel and you know it took me a while like it took me four years and when I finally went to the Dodgers um Mayshore he uh yeah, Mayshore, yeah. it was in spring training and he took me in the cages after you know very early and we were probably in there for about six hours and he oh. was trying to get me to accelerate my barrel. So we were working with tips 
certain spots like my hands were up i was you know they were down here we were doing this i mean we were doing every little thing and we finally figured out a, a tip to where i was slotting well and then you know it's really accelerating my barrel through the zone and i mean that took a while for me to master like that it wasn't like i'd found it and then i was you know because it's it's hard to have a tip you know and be able to you know, be on time and hits. And then I had to figure out how to time it up and then to use my legs because I just didn't really know how to hinge and how to, you know, create that stretch naturally. So I had to, I actually step back, but step back onto my back foot to kind of really sink into that hip and kind of create that, that tilt and create that stretch. And I matched that with that, that tip that I learned and then just kind of fire. And I mean, I kind of just played around with that for two or three years. And I started to, to hit for to a little bit of power. And then I went to the Twins and Borgs. He's uh, the big league hitting coach with the Orioles now. He uh, He was really good, you know, psychologically with hitting, just kind of smart. And kind of showed me different, you know, just how pitchers sequence it and, you know, just kind of a more mental approach to the game that was a little different for me, stuff that I hadn't heard before. And then Eric Munson, who's in AAA, and then Haynes. I mean, even this year, I've, I've learned a lot from from guys here just about, you know, shortening up. I have a big leg kick on my front side, like really controlling that, how to use you know, my front foot, you know, don't try to dorsiflex it because you kind of can lose your balance a little bit. Try to keep that toe down. So, and then also like I roll my hands uh, with my tip. So being able, cause my hands will drop. I have a little pump. So I got to make sure that they come back up or my hands get stagnant and I end up getting pushy at the ball or, you know, I just deflect or, you know, don't get behind it. So, yeah, it's a great question because I really haven't thought about that up until this point because there's been so many little adjustments and, you know, and like you said, every year you come in, you feel a little different, you know, you're like, oh, geez, I felt good last year. Where did that go? You know, like, geez, what? so it takes you a little while to kind of find that rhythm again. So, yeah, it's there's been – I've had a lot of great hitting coaches that have just – because, you know, you come in – from college and you, you think you got it all figured out, you know, it's like, all right, 360 in college. <laughs> and then you realize, yeah, guys have really good breaking stuff. They know, like, you know, they figure out your weaknesses and they attack you. So, I mean, you got to make your adjustments as well. And, you know, I learned, I learned the hard way for a little bit. And then I, you know, I got some great coaching behind me and just took it from there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know what I'd like to do, Drew, is just re- relive the scenes from the movie a little bit, just in the last <laughs> week or so. You know the uh, the call up where your your manager announces to your whole team in Altoona uh, that you're going off, so everybody could share the joy in it. Uh, that that first appearance in that first big league game. You know, I, I I guess people know the story, but you had those two games with the Twins in 2021 where you're on the roster but you never appeared. Um, you know, you have the whole Moonlight Graham thing, <laughs> you know, the fan, the Phantom Big Leaguer label. Like, I don't I don't care how much we all love Field of Dreams. I, I guess I should say everybody, but Doug loves Field of Dreams. <laughs> but, but the dream is not to be Moonlight Graham. Am I right? Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> all right. So then, so then last Wednesday, you finally made it into a big league game by pinch hitting for Andrew McCutcheon. So how cinematic was it just to get into a game that way? And then how fast was your heart pounding when you headed for home plate? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I mean, for Kutch to even give up his bat for me was, I mean, that's just the type of guy he is. I mean, you want to talk about a cool person, man. He, he's the best. Like he, so for him to do that, I mean, to even be able to say, you know, you know, my family members are like, you realize you just pinch hit for Andrew McCutcheon of MVP <laughs> and like the hero of the city. And I'm like, I know, like that's, I know, I can't even believe it. You know, they gave me the lineup card and my name is next to his. And it's just so, you know, Kutch, yeah, just want to thank him. Personally, I mean, I did, but just on air and then, you know, going to the plate and I mean, it was, you know, I've always dreamed about what it would be like. And, you know, I just, the city of Pittsburgh, um, I mean, I can't even believe, I mean, they started cheering my name and I, I just didn't even know what to do. I, I, was just blown away. I mean, hearing my name, my parents are there. Wow. I mean, my just thinking about my brothers are there and I'm just thinking about, you know, there's just so many thoughts going in my head. Like, is this happening? Like <laughs> I am freaking out inside, but I'm also trying to be collected and like, this is it, you know, like, Holy smokes, this is it. <laughs> and um, just, yeah, the cheer in my name. I mean, I'm the support that I got from Pittsburgh is just, I mean, that's, I, they're unbelievable. And just, yeah, just going, you know, cause I've been telling everybody too, back to the AB that, you know, I've been, I'm going to hack at that first pitch. Like that's, I've been saying that for, you know, the last <laughs> seven, eight years, like they're going to, you know, like talk a little smack, like they're going to bring it in here and I'm, you know, where it's going. And so I, I was like, here, you know, you're hacking here. I don't care where it's at. You are hacking. <laughs> you're going to be on time. 
<laughs> so I'm thinking of that. And then, you know, just sitting in the box and just waiting for that first pitch is it's just like things are just going. It's it's loud. You're just like trying, you're like, sorry, see the ball, see the ball, see the ball. <laughs> and yeah, and just I mean, just such a cool moment, man. I I can't even really describe it anymore. Just emotion and like you know i struck out but it was like i said it was the greatest strikeout i've ever had i've never never been happier after a k in my life but just it was cool you were a little out front of that first pitch huh (laughs) i wasn't gonna be late i'll tell you that right now i was like this is going way foul or it's going down the left field line yeah okay then saturday your first big league hit, as you mentioned, you weren't even supposed to be there. They sent you back to Altoona, but now the rain gods brought you back to life. Reincarnation, baseball style, seventh inning of game two of a long day of doubleheader baseball. Could you take us through the emotions of that moment? That that was, yes, that was, uh, that was almost in ways wilder for me because you know i i had that first ab um you know family was there i had you know i started the next day was unable to get that hit and you know pirates fans were so behind me i was like i really wanted to do it in pittsburgh you know and so we went to dc and yeah i mean i wasn't supposed to be there and then i was there and then you know game one happened and I, I didn't get to play. And so, you know, just rooting the guys on and, you know, just kind of think like, you know, in a baseball game, there's so much time to think, you know, there's so the whole time I'm kind of thinking like, you know, that was, that was my moment to get my hit. You know, I don't think I'm going to be able to get in there today. And, you know, and then it would kind of like be like, you know what, it was still great. You know, it was everything you dreamed of. Who cares? You know, <laughs> haters are going to hate. And so there was a lot of that. And then there was like kind of a lot of just come on, just give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. And, you know, game two happened and, you know, I didn't start that one. And, you know, the I got to get it up to the fellas, you know, because I think the only way I was really getting in there is, you know, we had to dominate and <laughs> that we freaking we hit. <laughs> yep. Scored a bunch of runs. I mean, I think everyone on the team was just raking, getting hits, hits, <laughs> hits. And so yeah, the score kind of got to the point where it was like, all right, let's rest some guys. And yeah, I got a DK came up to me and Shelty and said, Hey, you're hitting two. So then from there, you know, I got my gloves, I got my gloves on, wiped down my glasses, and going to the plate, I was kind of thinking, you know, this is it, you know, this is your last chance. I I really, really believed that. And, you know, it was the whole at bat was so crazy because I was thinking that, but then as I would step in the box, I would say, I would say like F it, let's ride. I'm, I'm hacking, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like this psychological battle with myself. Cause then I would, the pitch would happen and I'd step out and be like, Hey, you got to do something. You got to do something. And then I'd step in the box and be like, screw it. You know, like just see it and try to barrel it. And 
So, yeah, and the bat, you know, it just prolonged. I broke my bat. I had to go get another one. They were giving me the wrong bat. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is what they're – and we're in Washington, and they're chanting my name still. And I'm like – right. I mean, there was a bunch of Pirates fans there, and, you know, you know Pirates fans travel. I mean, I just mm-hmm. can't thank them enough. But, you know, I so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go to Washington and kind of have it normal at that, you know, where it's <laughs> kind of just – I'm in there, and it's just me, and I know people are watching, but there's, you know, there's no commotion going on. And, <laughs> see, I know I hear the Magic chants, and <laughs> I'm like – you know, it felt like – game seven of the world series for me and you know finally seeing that ball go through the middle i mean just chills and i was just happy and you know just i remember thinking as i was running down like you know i did it i did it You know, the reaction of your teammates was amazing. Like that outpouring from the, those guys. Uh, what did that say to you about the meaning of that moment? And not just for you, but for everyone who's ever played professional baseball. It just, I mean, there's good dudes in baseball. There's, I mean, there's good people. And, you know, the there's a reason why the Pirates are doing what they're doing. We're doing what we're doing because there's a lot of good people in that locker room and there was, there was a lot of genuine joy for me. And, you know, those, there's a reason they're winning. They, they just have the right mindset and just the, to, for them to do that. Cause I mean, that's in baseball. It's like, you know, you're rooting for guys or team game, but you know, it's just such an individual sport that, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing, you know, most of the time. So for something like that to happen, I mean, this all, I mean, without the fans and without the team, I mean, I'm just another guy, got my bat, got my hit, and we'll see a Dan Cabo. But, you know, with the, with the way that they were reacting and just, you know, it just, it meant the world to me because they didn't have to do that. They, you know, the city of Pittsburgh didn't have to do what they did. And to just, you know, have them have my back. I mean, it just, I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. I mean, I can't even really say anything more about it or kind of describe it. It was just, I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life. Well, well, Drew, you're you're on with two guys that love Bull Durham. That's like our favorite movie. I think oh, we agree yeah. on that one, right, Jay? And, oh, yeah. um, you know, and, and I remember, you know, when, Kevin Costner's, you know, know, Emmy Calvin Lelouch, he's uh, telling him to learn his cliches. So in all these years of baseball, and we certainly learn our little one-liners, can you tell me any one-liner that actually turned out to be true? Uh, You know, Ted (laughs) Ted Lasso has believed. There's all these phrases that we live by. But, you know, in your experience, now that it's happened and that magic is truly there, uh, is there any line that you now think back on and says, yeah, that, that was true. That was absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few, you know, I, I always had the, the keep going kind of saying to myself, um, the never give up. I, 
I would just constantly have to remind myself throughout the whole process of, you know, when I would go through some tough times, it was like, just wear it, you know, just keep going, you know, find a way each day to kind of impact something or, you know, get yourself, your mind right, or get your body right, take care of yourself to, to just keep the days positive, man, because it's a tough game already. And then on top of it, yeah, just in the minor leagues, just kind of trying to do your best to, to get to your ultimate dream. And so I think, yeah, just never give up because, you know, anything's possible and you never know how long it's going to take. <laughs> could take 13 years. It could take 20, <laughs> could take one, but you know, if, if you keep going and you, you believe in it and you love it and, you know, a lot of things have to happen for you, but you know, with that mindset, it's, it's possible for it to happen. So, yeah. Great. Um, what, what was the best um, behind the scenes moment from the last week? Uh, just a moment you had with someone in a clubhouse and the, dugout at lunch at the hotel that you'll never forget or most surprising person you've heard from um i mean there's so many yeah um yeah there, there's so many moments that i mean even kutch the other night you know when i got my hit he you know came up to me in like the six and was like hey i'd be ready to go and I was like, well, I'm ready. <laughs> like just a mo like moments like that. Yeah. I mean, just walking around the, the field, um, you know, looking up, looking at the stadium, like just thinking like, this is it, man. You know, taking ground balls, um, you know, all the support I've gotten. I mean, that's been the most overwhelming part, you know, because I've gotten, I've received some really good, really inspiring messages that, you know, people are, are telling me their stories and, you know, life, life is hard for everybody. And it's, you know, whether you play baseball, whether you're a steel worker, or, you know, you work at the grocery store. I mean, life is just so difficult no matter what you do. So, I mean, I think a lot of receiving that and just talking with people and being able to connect like that's been super cool and emotional never thought like that would be kind of something that I would be able to do and and then also you know I when I first got called up um you know my mom and I were in my room and she uh she wanted to play this song for me she was like you gotta listen to the song you gotta listen to the song and I don't even know the name of the song but she put it on <laughs> And it was a YouTube video and it was playing and just the words were so powerful. And, and I, we just had a moment where I was bawling and she was crying and I was just like, I love you, mom. And I, you know, can't mm. believe this is all happening. I'm just so happy you're here. And mm. so just, yeah, I mean, brothers, I mean, just them, just the happiness of my family and my friends who have been with me the whole time. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. it's just been super cool. And, you know, just the conversations that I've been able to have with ex players and just friends and family, just how we're able to talk now versus, 
you know, a week ago of like, you know, the conversation was keep going, man. I know you're in double A. I know it's, it's tough. Like just stay positive, keep grinding. You know, went from those conversations to you did it, Madge, you know, like, and this is, this is epic. This is, this is amazing, man. I keep just do your thing. You know, now it's, now it's kind of, it's cool because, you know, what's funny about the whole situation too is, you know, I get called up and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a great story and people, you know, they haven't really seen me play on a big, big league stage, but it's, you know, it's, I can, you know, I'm pretty good at the game. I'm pretty good at baseball. So it's, it's like now it's kind of shifted into, I kind of want to show people what I can do now. It's <laughs> kind of like I'm fighting for people and my family and friends to just kind of like kind of prove myself now. So it's been like a pretty cool shift in uh, in that regard too. So Yeah, I was so just going to ask you about that. You know, you just, you've had this moment, you, you know, your story is gotten out there for so many people to embrace, but what's the next chapter? of the Drew Maggi story look like in your head? I mean, just with what we got in Pittsburgh, I mean, with the Pittsburgh fans, the team, you know, the staff, I mean, it's that winning culture. You know, I've been, I've been around winning teams with the Dodgers and the Phillies last year. I mean, you can kind of feel that energy. So, I mean, I think for me is just help, in any way I can up at the big league level to try to win a world series. I mean, that's, that's the next chapter for me. That's what I'm looking forward to. Cause you know, that's where I'm at right now. And you know, it's, you can't really look too far ahead, but you know, I'm here in Richmond, Virginia and double a again and taking it day to day to just kind of, you know, make sure I'm ready to go, you know, when that call comes and yeah, to just try to, help the already great team we got up in pit, you know, win it all. Well, Drew, I was wondering, um, where is the ball um, from that first hit and, and maybe the scorecard, the mementos, what have you done with them? So my my parents took the scorecard home and then I actually have the ball in my bag that I <laughs> in left bag. sight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, they cased it. I mean, that was a really cool moment too. All right, we we started out by saying this felt like a movie. So how can I not finish up by asking, who would play you in the Drew Magic <laughs> movie? <laughs> I I don't even know because I've aged so much. You know, when I was younger, it's like it, there's so it almost have to be a few people because you know, you, I've, I'm this old man now. Back then, I was you know a young kid, so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who would play me. I. That's an interesting question. I think. <laughs> yeah, we need Kevin mom... Costner to hit a time machine, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see. I see a little Dennis Quaid though. I see a Dennis Quaid in you there. Quaid. Yeah, young, yeah, young Dennis Quaid or young. Well, um, well, uh, the guy Luke's uh, Han Solo. I'm trying to draw a blank. Oh uh, yeah, I saw oh, that guy's <laughs> name. I know who you're talking about. Him. One of my one of my friends because. So Harold Reynolds called me yesterday, which coolest thing ever. You know, he <laughs> calls me and I'm in the elevator coming up and he's like, I'm like, hello. He's like, Hey, it's Harold. I was like, uh, Harold Reynolds. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I didn't expect him to call and you want to talk about a cool dude. I mean, 
we talked for 30 minutes and then he was kind of the one that was like, you know, you should do a movie like this is, you could do a movie about the last week. And then, so I told a couple of my friends and one of my best friends, Nick Nudo was like, make sure you get Miles Teller to play me. There you <laughs> go. Be perfect. And I'm like, oh, it's comedy. <laughs> uh, I like that idea of Miles Teller. Um, who's going to play Harold? That's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Drew, this has been so special, man. Your whole story has been beautiful, touching, uh, inspirational to so many people. And we could not be more grateful that you took the time to visit with us today. So listen, man, all the best. Look forward to seeing you back in Pittsburgh. And thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. This is honestly one of the, the best interviews I've done. So you guys, thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. So thank you. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Okay, it's that time again. It's time for listener trivia. Our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Doug, we need to start a new streak, man. We were on a roll for two months where we just couldn't lose until we could. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've we've missed, I think it's two in a row. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I mean, what do you think? When you lose two in a row, are you in the danger zone? Well, you know, I still feel confident because, you know, they were like multiple 
and we got like three out of four, one out of two. We we at least got an answer right. We were on the right track. So I always feel good about that. I can work with that. Okay. Well, on the right track is better than the other track. This is true. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, look, we have our work cut out for us this week because we have a really tough question from mm. one of our most frequent trivia nemesis, Jimmy Hawkins. Jimmy, welcome back to Starkville. Mm. How are you guys doing? We are great, my friend. How are you doing? Good. Uh, Doug, you know, I'm, I'm going to say when we put out the calls for trivia every week, which is we've been doing for several years now, nobody, I'm pretty sure this about this, nobody has fired more trivia questions back at us than Jimmy. Jimmy, you understand we can't pick your question every week, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I said I, I was on... Once, once last year, and then I wasn't on the year before that. But 2020 is where I, where I got where you use most of my questions. So, all right. So, how many times it's do you think been you've while. been on? Uh, uh, this is my fifth time. Your fifth time. Wow. Yes. That's I'm going to name work. a diner. I'm going to name a diner after him. I think we could, you know, Starkville. We need that. So we'll we'll name a diner. Jimmy Jimmy Starkville Diner. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, we got that trivia question right. We know what the diner is going to be named. <laughs> uh, look, of all the questions you've hit us with. This might actually be the hardest. So I think we better get it over with. <laughs> what, what, what's your question this time around, my friend? All right. So this week's question is, there are four players who have stolen a base in four different decades. And we have to name them? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start out with this. Uh, we need a ruling from Doug, who has decreed we are no longer answering any questions where we need to come up with four answers, although we suspended that I think, last week. Uh, so what about this one, Doug? It, uh, he wants he wants four. Is that over the Glanville line? And if so, do we need to negotiate a lower number where we where we don't need to get all of the four? Maybe we only need to get maybe one of the four? <laughs> well, let me think about this. Um, where's my agent? Do I have an agent? I need an you agent. do, but he's probably not in the room. Yeah, he's on the room. Okay, forget him. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe three. Can we do you know three out of four? You know, I, I, you know, we've. I think we got three out of four the last time. That would have been sweet, but we got the wrong three out of four. So, <laughs> right. For so whatever, whatever what, that means. All right, Jimmy. What do you think? Is, if we get three out of the four, are you good with that? It's it's your show, so it's your rules. So that, that's fine. <laughs> hey, I like that. It's our rules. We're gonna make up the rules every week as we go along. <laughs> oh, from here on out. Okay, so now. All right, so now we only need three players with a stolen base in four different decades. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's, it's going to help us that much, but we'll try well, it out. Yes. All right. Okay. I was thinking the only good news is, yeah, two weeks ago we had another question about guys who played in four decades. I think it was two weeks ago, and so we did have a couple of names that came up. I didn't write them uh, down. Though. Right. That they almost have to be an answer to this one. Omar Vizquel was the name we missed on that question. He yep. has to be an answer to this question, right? He has to have stolen a base in four yeah. decades, played forever. Right. Uh, and I'm almost sure I remember that Tim Raines was another guy who came up who played in four decades. Did he? If he I did, wouldn't he have to be another? Okay, so I like I think I think those two. I think those two are right. So then we would only need one more, but that's where this gets impossible, right? So. I mean, I, I didn't know. even remember. Tell you the truth, I don't remember any of the answers. Do you remember the answers? <laughs> Absolutely, okay. drawn a blank. That, right, that's well, not a good trivia strategy. Okay, well, I know uh, Rusty Staub played in four decades. Uh, that I think that also came up a couple weeks ago. But 
He wasn't exactly Ricky Henderson, if you know what I mean. So I don't know if he was stealing bases in his 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing we kicked around the last time, speaking of Ricky Henderson, did he play in four decades? I think you asked about that. I don't think he did, spot. right? 80s, think 90s, 2000. Yeah, he didn't get into oh, the 10s. I don't no, think he got into the 10s. Unless he went to Canada's Atlantic League part. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have to like come in at like the 68, <laughs> 69. Yeah, well, maybe some nah, of them were pitchers. Were there right. pitchers? Yeah, we had well, a couple. Yeah, pitchers. but they didn't steal bases, right? I think. Didn't yeah, Harold Baines' right. name also come up? Yeah. He might have played in four decades. Mm. And then, you know, there's also these all these guys who played like a hundred years ago. Hannes Wagner, I was oh, thinking yeah. about. No chance. Right? That's, what, well, that's what, what a stolen you? base was when you put a cow at second base. The cow ate the base and took it off the field. That was that's that means it's too long ago where cows are involved to get credit for a stolen base. No, too uh, early, if there are too any early. descendants of Hannes Wagner listening to this, Doug didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like at this point, we're we're basically throwing darts. Do you do you have a list, Doug? I mean, I I really don't. I mean, well, what about like Mini Minoso, right? Did he he played? I know it was you know on a little gimmicky or whatever. A but little. did he steal a base? Did he steal a base in those? He might have. Uh, I, no, like when he was coming back, when he was. At the end yeah, there, 50. he was just yeah. coming in. He would, he'd, he'd hit once and they'd get him out of the game. So he wasn't still uh, in the case of 70 years old, whatever he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so that's not happening. So you don't have any idea, which means we no, don't really I have mean, any idea. Well, he said Reigns. Okay, uh, Viscal and Reigns, I think we're going with those two. We just got to come up with one more name. You want to do like Hannes Wagner? Or you want, yeah, uh, who, who in the world played Rogers Hornsby, games? Harold Baines. Now the, the last question was what was it a Hall of Famer or it was, was it condition? It was I mean Jamie Moyer was one of the answers. And then we were trying to figure out who the other one was, and I think it was, it was a, Omar Vizquel, right? It was a pitcher. Uh, it was the last. No, it was like the last two. Oh, the guys last to do two it or guys. something. But then did that, he give us the get, other one? We guessed a bunch of names. That's how I. <laughs> that's how I wind up with these two. We're in a four decades. Wait, that was which, was that the one with the trick? The the exception. That was a pitcher, though. Christy Matheson, right? That was that. Right? He pitched. Oh, no, it was on the same uh, Yeah, team. he was. That was. No, you that was a different you, question. questions mixed up. That was yeah, that's a different question. No, yeah. Uh, wow, I don't it's know. not an answer to this. Four decades. Stole a base. He had to play like 20-something years. Julio Franco. He didn't even play four decades. 22 years. Well, Julio did that. I mean. I think hey, Hannes Wagner played a really long time, by the way. All right. All right, I'll roll with that. I don't have yeah, a better answer. I, I don't really either, but... So you want to do that? You want to do yeah. Omar and Tim Raines and Hannes Wagner? Yeah, now why wasn't Raines an answer, though? Right. Oh, he was too he was, early? It was the wrong... He wasn't one of the last two, but he did it. Uh, I'm all, okay. I think that's how I remember it. I'm sure we got okay. it all wrong. Let, let's just yeah. guess. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, let's do it. All right, let's, okay. Uh, Jimmy, obviously, we have no idea, but is there <laughs> any chance it's Omar Vizquel... Tim Raines and Hannes Wagner. Two of them are right. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. Tim Raines and Omar Fiscal are correct answers. Oh. Okay. There we go, Doug. I feel, I feel good about that. We, and we probably mentioned the other, but we didn't guess him. Yeah, the other one is Ricky Henderson. It, it is. is. Okay. He did. He's actually well, he the only one more than one base in all four decades. Yes. Um, wow. So what are the eighties, nineties? He played in twenty ten. He stole thirty three bases in nineteen seventy nine. 
79. Oh, yeah. He did in the 80s, 90s, and he stole 72 uh, in the 2000s. Wow. Yeah. So that, wow, that was good, huh? I guess it makes they had a stolen base question. The answer was <laughs> the guy who stole the most bases of anybody, and we still got it wrong. That's good. And, work. and, and then the fourth? The, the fourth guy is uh, another stolen base legend. That would be Ted Williams. What? Really? Wow. Yeah, That's he had t- 24 career stolen bases, 24? but he did it in four decades. So oh, my goodness. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Unbelievable. Wow. That's a great well, question. So I so that means we've now gotten three in a row wrong. But you know what? Like this, this is like last week. This was so hard. <laughs> is there is there any such thing as a moral victory in trivia? Yeah. Let's get we should get the mayor in here to find out if we can keep track of questions where we get it wrong, but we feel like we got it right. Something like that. Yeah, Pyrrhic. We can call it Pyrrhic. Pyrrhic victory. I'll call it that. Uh, There's uh, no moral victories in trivia. You, you've said no this moral. before. This is a Jason Stark quote. You either get it right <laughs> or you get it wrong. It is a quote. It's when I ask the questions, I allow no <laughs> When I'm answering the questions, I can end that line. <laughs> anyway, I think we've still gotten six out of our last nine, which is a better winning percentage than the Dodgers. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever. Did you know the quality of this segment is about to go way up? Because we are about to bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster. You just heard his voice to play another one of his fabulous play-by-play clips involving this week's answer. So, Tim, what do you got for us this week? We got Ricky. We're going to go back to his final stolen base, number 1,406, (laughs) 2003. Can you even guess what team he was on at that point? He was on the Uh, Mets, Dodgers. Dodgers, uh, yep, the Dodgers. Dodgers. August 29th, 2003. Ricky, who wrote the book, is two for two in stolen bases. There goes Henderson, the throw to Helton. He guns it down to Asuna, and it's not in time as Henderson is under the tag. So Vance picks off Henderson. Corey, on that leg kick, paid the price, and Henderson got under the high throw, awfully close. And second base umpire Gary Cedarstrom saying safe, and you could see Henderson's left hand on the bag before the tag. Actually got wow. picked off at his nice. age and was still yeah. able to steal the bag. <laughs> and we so got fast. Vin Scully to yep. describe Vin. it for us. That was your best mm. clip ever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know either. And the the uh, organist, he can't beat the organ too. Right. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, Jimmy, uh, I appreciate you tormenting us with your evil trivia again. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'll be back, but we look forward yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I hope so. But if, if you guys, if you guys need to take a break from me for a little bit, you know, go go right ahead. <laughs> but I got plenty more questions that that uh, that, uh, that I can. I can give. Well, so. no, you you got to run the diner, man. We you got to keep it coming. The the, din- the diner depends on it. Yeah. See, <laughs> we don't need to take a break from getting them. R- r- we need to take a break from getting them wrong, but we don't yeah. need to take a break <laughs> from you and your questions because they're great. so good. Good job. And uh, for all you other Stark Villians out there, just remember, you too can be part of these trivia segments, just like Jimmy. We'll tell you how in just a few minutes. Strange, but true. Doug, here we go again. It's time for our favorite wacky segment of every week. The Strange, but True. And as always, we had a lot of choices. You know, it was it was hard not to take this segment to Mexico City. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <That> series <laughs> over the weekend. I'm pretty homer, pretty sure that even 
Let me say this again. I'm pretty sure that everyone but you and I homered in that game, <laughs> right? But uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to. I kept coming back to what happened in Chicago the same night. Rays against White Sox. Just to, to set the scene here, Lance Lynn was the starting pitcher for the White Sox, and he was great. So as the seventh inning began, he was pitching a no hitter. And then what happened next turned out to be way more unique and historic than if he'd actually finished the no-hitter. I keep thinking about this. So uh, let's hear a little taste of it first. Uh, No-hitter going on. Up steps Wander Franco to lead off the seventh inning. And here's what happened next. He's allowed no hits through six. Fly ball back into left field with Carey. Sheets has got to go to the wall, and that's gone. Home run to the opposite field on an 0-2 pitch. Wander Franco hits his fifth home run of the year, and the Rays are on the board. And breaking up the bid by Lance Lynn after six no-hit innings. So there went that no-hitter. <laughs> but that, that was just the beginning. It, it turned out, Doug, that was not even Wander's only hit of that inning. <laughs> so the Rays got nine hits in the inning. Three different Rays got two hits in the <laughs> inning, and they went on to score 10 runs in an inning after getting no hit before that inning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I'll hit you with a few wacky tidbits in a moment, but, you know, you're a noted baseball mathematician. What were the odds of that happening? Well, negative zero. Is there a number uh, such as negative zero? Um, <laughs> yeah, like an imaginary number. All right, all right, you're the math. You're the baseball mathematician. We're gonna go with it. Yeah, let's go. Let's just run with it. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, my thoughts were very simple on this one. Uh, we we had uh, Eric Neander on our show recently, and the Rays just play a different sport. And I think it was just a matter of time before the Rays figured out the clock and how to maximize the clock. And they have now shifted their sport into a little bit more NFL, like football. And they said, all right, we'll just wait back and we're going to score in sevens and tens. <laughs> and we're just, we're going to blitz right now. And I think they just decided that they were going to be more efficient and more effective if they played a different sport. So they just waited back and, you know, figured out the offense and defense of the White Sox and then decided that the best strategy was to go on a weak side blitz uh, with the free safety in the back. So, hey, they put up a whatever, nine spot, seven spot, a couple of safeties, an extra point, a field goal, and an onside kick. And that's what the Rays do. They just invent their own sport. <laughs> and then we're all chasing to figure out how to catch up to them. <laughs> that's as plausible as anything. But um, now let's talk about what actually happened. <laughs> okay, but I've been thinking about this. All right, so I looked this up this morning. The Rays had played 2,212 consecutive innings without scoring 10 runs in any inning. And then they scored 10 runs after they had been no hit in that game (laughs) into the seventh inning. So how was that possible? (laughs) Then 10 runs in an inning after being no hit for six innings, forget the other stuff, just that thought only one other team in the whole expansion era ever done that going back all the way to 1961 the blue jays did it in july of 2021 and then the third thing 
no hit for six innings and then score 12 runs after that in the game in the last three innings. So our friends from stats looked up this one. They were the first team (laughs) to score 12 runs or more in any game after having no hits and no runs over the first six (laughs) innings since the 1938 Red Sox. Jimmy Fox was on that team. Did it against the old Philadelphia A's on August 9th, 1938. So, Doug, it was the first time in 75 years. So this was way more historic than if they actually pitched the no-hitter. Take that, Lynn. This it's art. I consider this a form of art, especially in Starkville. This is this is where we yeah. open up the Starkville modern art gallery over <laughs> this type of stuff. Right. When we like when we have a decide to have a strange but true segment or a strange but true gallery, this game it sums up why we have it. <laughs> so the one thing I was thinking about, Doug, you played a lot of games. Ever been part of anything, anything like that? I mean, I, I mean, I can't think of anything like that. The no hit, um, you know, yeah, of that, course I, I, that can't I, be I know the, I know the audience has heard my, you know, down up by 14 runs in the NCAA tournament and blowing <laughs> that lead and losing an extra inning to 18. We don't need to go there again. So we don't have to go there again, but uh, you know, I, I did kick around something that's, you know, in the family. I remember Mike Lieberthal hitting a walk-off home run against the pirates. And uh, you know, and I started to look this up a little bit. And it turns out we were down seven to one going into the ninth inning. And we ended up winning eight to seven. And just looking at the the rally on this thing, uh, it was single, triple, walk, walk, E6, sack fly, ground out, walk, Lieberthal home run, three-run homer, game Oof. over. I mean, it was like crazy. It happened like in a split. So the pendulum swing I could relate to, but I can't imagine being no hit, can't figure anything out, and then scoring 10 runs. I mean, it's it just makes no sense. Baseball is amazing. It's it amazing. It's, why, it's what we love about it. It's why this whole podcast exists. Uh, a lot of our friendship is based on that principle. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And it was beautiful again on Saturday night, unless you were Lance Lynn. <laughs> not, not that beautiful. If you, no. Not that beautiful if you were him. Not for uh, him. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read, say, my Weird and Wild columns or any of the fantastic baseball coverage in The Athletic, I can tell you how to do that. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for just $1.99 a month for 12 months. Also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick some fun listener trivia question. Then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So how would you go about doing that? Well, you can email us. There's been a lot of emails lately at Starkville at theathletic.com. Starkville with an E on the end. Or you can do what Jimmy Hawkins and, frankly, most people do to hit us with these questions. You can send them to us on Twitter. 
Every week we look around. Twitter continues to exist. So we keep doing it this way. Uh, Doug, you still have your blue check mark. Uh, where could people mm-hmm. who may or may not have a blue check mark of their own find Doug Landville? I'm still feeling blue, man. It's all right. And you can right. send the check anytime. Blue check. Um, let's see. Well, it's at Doug Glanville. Hasn't changed. Uh, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Pretty easy. I see. So the blue check is in the mail. Uh, I've got no blue check. I'm at Jason S-T. That's at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. You know, what? one more thing, too. We've been wondering if there's somewhere else maybe we should be reaching out to you for these trivia questions as Twitter continues to evolve, if that's the right word, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. Let, let us know. Uh we want to make it as easy for you to be part of this extravaganza as possible. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Drew Maggi for visiting us. Thanks to yeah. Jimmy Hawkins for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you next week. Uh, Starkville. Starkville.